Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good evening, and welcome to For Men About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Isaac. And I'm Chris Kuzmi. And we're your co-hosts through this weekly journey through all things fermented. We are archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org, of course, but also on iTunes and Stitcher. Mary, what's going on in the world? Well, first of all... Uh, locally. <laughs> look, this is not so local, but um, a few weeks ago we had the South Yeast guys on, and they have started their... Official Kickstarter campaign. It's through ClemsonIdeas.com. Um, so you can probably Google it, but it's ClemsonIdeas.com slash campaigns slash Southeast, Southeast, and then a dash labs. Um, and they have some great prizes and uh, are looking to get a lot of backers. So if you haven't listened to that show, I strongly suggest they're great guys. They're doing, uh, they're going to open a fantastic yeast company. I can't wait to get some hands on their yeast. A lot of funky and interesting stuff. Yep. And scary pictures to boot of funky and interesting. <laughs> Only scary to you, Kuzma. I know. I hate pellicles. <laughs> but I like the outcome. What else is going on? New York Craft Beer Week, or New York City Beer Week, excuse me. It has changed names to New York City Beer Week from New York Craft Beer Week of, ye- of yesteryears. It is happening on February 21st to March 2nd. And uh, there's lots of really awesome things happening. You will hear me plug this over and over until it happens. Uh, we're talking about 2014 here. And uh, February 21st is our opening party, and it will be at Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt Hall as part of Grand Central Station. Uh, we're going to have a really, really great time. I actually just booked the music the other day or some music. Uh, the Xylophokes, which is this giant blue monster and pink pink, <laughs> pink gorilla <laughs> bass player. They make awesome music. Like They're killing, but they're in these crazy outfits. It's really fun. Um, and also, on that first Sunday, I'll be hosting a cask festival at 508 Gastro Brewery called Caskalot. And uh, I've invited all the New York City Brewers Guild members to join me there and uh, a couple affiliates like uh, my uh, alma mater, uh, Wandering Star Brewing Company, will be doing some stuff. I'm really excited about it. I keep referring to it as Sir Caskalot. Sir Caskalot. <laughs> that was my old nickname, Sir Caskalot. <laughs> Still rolling with it. What do you think? Mary's giving me a funny look on that. I want to ask you about Homebrew Alley. Oh, yeah. Homebrew Alley. Homebrew Alley, now in its eighth year, is happening on February 7th and 8th. For more information about how to enter, uh, the deadline is January 31st. Go to homebrewalley.com. Um, we still need stewards. We still have room for entries. And uh, there are several prizes, uh, a lot of great prizes, a lot of great feedback. Among them is Brewer's Choice, um, which will be... Uh, Basically, a brewer from Six Point Brewing Company will come and decide their favorite beer, and they will brew it a 15-barrel batch at their facility here in Red Hook and invite you to join in. It's a national competition, so I'm not sure everybody can make it, but thankfully, up until now, uh, the 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 uh, winners of that choice have been, been local and able to make the brew date, which is very cool. Um, homebrewrally.com. Come help us if you uh, are interested in what's behind the scenes on a uh, homebrew competition. 
stewarding, judging, tasting, helping. There's been some good stuff. Lots of good stuff. And there's a big party afterwards? Giant party afterwards. It's hold that Alewife, Alewife uh, Queens, Long Island City on 51st Street, just around the corner from, from uh, Vernon. Uh, one stop into, into Long Island City off of the 7 train. On Saturday, the 8th, around 7.30, there will be a great big party, and we will announce the winners and deliver prizes and all sorts of fun stuff. So, you might have heard that other <laughs> voice that we haven't identified yet. Guess who it is? Woo. Heather McReynolds, brewer at Six Point. Thank Speaking you. Speaking of Six Point. Yep. Honored to be here with the first couple of uh, New York City <laughs> beer. <laughs> um, today's show is the Salt and Pepper Show. Mary and I have wanted to do this show for a very long time, but actually, I think it might have been in our in our little kind of draft of, of what we kind of saw happening for Foment about it when we proposed this to to, uh, to Heritage Radio. Um, but we're just getting to it now. Episode what fifty seven, fifty six, something like that. So why Salt and Pepper, Mary? Well, because. There are so many interesting beers that you can brew with both salt and pepper. Now, we're not talking brewing salts that you use to emulate a particular style, like a Burton ale or something. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about actually brewing with salt and some of the styles that work well for that. And then again, peppercorns. Actually, when I first started brewing with peppercorns, I didn't actually know the different types. So we're going to talk about the different types and then, you know, some of the things that we have brewed with them, as well as some of the beers that we've had brewed with both salt and pepper. And, um, Where should we start? Salt or pepper? Oh, let's go for salt. <laughs> All right. We're going with salt. So so when you think a salt beer, what do you guys think of? Well, we are kind of, okay. To, to um, the general public, <laughs> it probably sounds like salt water. Right. It probably sounds like. Some uh, of them do have salt water. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but to the general public, but to us, we know, I mean, we're a little familiar with the style, so we're thinking Gosa. Yep. Yeah. Generally. That's absolutely, yeah, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is a Gosa. Which is the new Saison. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Heather, you just brewed a Gosa at Six Point. It was last year, correct? Uh, it was last year. So we do the Mad Scientist series beers where uh, every other month we come out with this crazy new idea for whatever the crap we feel like making. Sometimes it's an old historical style. Um, recently, too, we ch- teamed up with the Jam Stand. These Brooklyn oh, yeah. jam producers, uh, they make this really cool raspberry jalapeno jam. So we use that in a Belgian ale. Um, but I mean, we've done we have done a Goza, we've done a Lichtenheiner, we've done a Grazer, we've done a Groot beer, we've done a Braggot. We've we it, it, it's half the fun for me is doing the research on these styles yeah. and digging around and, and figuring out. Okay, well, you know, obviously, you know, uh, the most recent one that came out. For example, uh, it just launched now, uh, the Brunswick Moom. It did, <laughs> when we were looking it up, uh, it, it turns out that the beer was brewed to very, very high alcohol and then put in casks for over a year. And a raw egg was added to the cask. Oh, nice. So we just kind of said, well, we'll skip that one. <laughs> we'll omit that. What, what do you think the point of the raw egg was? We talked about it, and I'm thinking that uh, because the egg was put in whole. So, maybe, so not cracked. Not cracked. Interesting. So maybe uh, some yeast or bacteria or something on the shell that would carminate the beer a little bit. It, it, I don't know. <laughs> did they Good wash luck? the egg? Is it like a freshly laid egg? They, they didn't specify. Oh, yeah. Maybe it, it does something else if it comes directly from the hen. I don't know. what <laughs> Directly from the hen. Maybe, but maybe the hen just kind of sat on the pee? barrel for a year. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> 
So you did a lot of research, or you do research oh, yes. on these things. So what is a Goza? So the Goza is an old German style of beer. Uh, it's actually served in these really cool. I'm making the the. I'm trying to do it with my hands, but I realize that you can't see me right now. <laughs> so the bottom is kind of bulb-shaped, and they're served in these bulb-shaped glasses that it's really, really skinny on top. And then the yeast naturally forms a plug on top, which is it's really interesting. Um, but the town they were brewed in had really strong, salty water. And it turned out it worked really well with the ingredients they were using. Um, and there's... Well, as of a couple of years ago, there was only a couple production breweries that are actually making this beer. But because I say it's going to be the new saison, there's a couple more that are doing it now. I think there's a brewery out in California that's canning one. I know I've oh, seen in South Westbrook, South Westbrook. Carolina. Yeah, yeah Westbrook and South, oh, Carolina. South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. David goes in a can, which I need to get my hands on. It's delicious. Um, but good. yeah, so we did this last year, um, and we. Uh, let me get my notes here. But yeah, uh, you know, lots of wheat, uh, lots of pills and malt, and then um, putting the sea salt in the kettle, which was so nerve-wracking. We ended up adding uh, a pound and a half of sea salt right at the end of the boil, and it's wow. like, I hope we're not screwing this beer up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and how big, a, how big a kettle are you guys, do you guys have? Uh, well, we boil about 20 barrels. Okay. And then, like Kuzma said, with Home Rally, you know, we, we end up with 15 barrels of finished product. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, still. Well, every mad scientist beer is like that, though. It's kind of like, well, let's. I hope this works, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it pretty much does. Yes, but yes, yes. I, uh, yeah, everybody but has that trepidation with things that we don't know. Especially a pound and a half. Again, I'm showing with my hands how. But it was a big bowl, a pound and a half of sea salt. It's like, oh my gosh, we're either going to make this awesome or really bad. And for those of you who haven't had ghosts out there, <laughs> what ends up with this kind of salty, blonde, sometimes it's slightly tart beer, mm-hmm. is that it's actually very refreshing. It's, it's so refreshing. Yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite ABD. summer yeah, yeah. drinks. We ended up coming out with it, I believe, like last, oh shoot, it must have been like uh, November or October of 2012, so it's been a little while. Uh, but it was, uh, I, I kind of wish we had brought it out in the summer. Because it turned out it was great summer beer. And it was interesting, too. I noticed it, it changed a little over time. And I, I was picking up on these really delicate changes in the flavor. Uh, really cool, too, if anybody tries to experiment. And, you know, I would say don't drink it all at once. Let right. it hang out for a little while and see what happens. I think, and, and we didn't mention that it also is usually made with coriander. Did, oh, did yeah. Yours go mm-hmm. with coriander? Yes, yes. Sorry, I omitted that, too. But, yes, we used uh, about half a pound of coriander, too. And to me, that's one of the fun parts about about these beers is that the way the salt dances with the coriander, which dances with the sour, because these are generally soured. Yeah. Uh, and it makes sense that you know over time that coriander is going to just kind of fade away. Herbs, mm-hmm. herbs will not always be as pungent as they are in the front. Um, so I made a gosa recently at 508. Ooh. And uh, instead of using just straight salt, we actually used some salt water that I got on a sailing trip um, in California. <laughs> um, and so the hardest part about doing this was kind of figuring out exactly how much salt, sea salt I had actually in the water. And yeah. I just kind of averaged what I, what I read, which was uh, about four ounces, four to five ounces, was in, is in a gallon of, of seawater. So I threw that in at the end of the boil, and I'm biting my my nails yeah, too. Yeah, like, oh, Plankton, all this stuff. You know. But that all you know, that all died and fell out, and, yeah. and we boiled for pretty strongly. Um, but that was a lot of fun with that, and the salinity kind of came out. 
Wow. Yeah. Did you guys sour? How did you sour yours? We actually didn't. We didn't sour it. Um, mm-hmm. No, we just we relied on the uh, uh, a little bit of acid malt for the tartness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great way to go, especially if somebody doesn't want to bother with using lactobacillus or kettle souring or something right. like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And I felt I, I feel like it was a good it was a great balance. Yeah. And I think nice. that's the other thing is that this is a great style because you can really choose how you want it. Some people like a tartar beer, you know, a tartar, more salty beer, yeah. and some people might like a less tart, less salty beer, so you can definitely mix it up. And then we, just before we came on air, Heather and I were discussing other kind of variations, and you said you had a friend who added rosemary? Well, we actually do, this is blunt, I'm going to go ahead and plug, Beer the, for Beasts. Yes. Uh, yes, so it's what we do every year uh, to support the New York City Humane Society. Tons of fun for us because we're... Uh, as brewers too, we everybody who works for us comes up with an idea for a beer, and it's our challenge to make that happen. And sometimes they're really crazy. Sometimes they're a little more in line. For instance, um, Frank, one of our office guys, uh, really really liked the Goza, and he said this might be really good with some rosemary in it. He said, "Can we do this, but with rosemary?" I said, "Yeah, that sounds easy, and it sounds delicious. So yes, let's definitely do that." And uh, it was. Uh, unfortunately, we only did 20 gallons of it because it was for Beer for Beasts. It's a small batch thing. Uh, but if you were at Beer for Beasts last year, you got to try some and you knew how amazing it was. Yeah. And I had a rosemary when I was at Craft Brewers Conference. I had a rosemary goza. And I cannot, mm. I, it seems like it was from a southern brewery, but I cannot remember the name of the brewery. I have to look it up. But that was, yeah, excellent. I've seen yeah. some other variations. Actually, I was just reading, there was an article uh, by Josh Bernstein a couple years ago in Imbibe Magazine. And Upright Brewing... Um, actually makes a um, no it's Cascade Brewing that I believe makes a different gosa for every season ooh that's, that's fun yeah. yep so it says for autumn um, he's talking like Ron Gansberg who's the head brewer he adds orange peel nutmeg and cinnamon instead of the traditional coriander the stronger holiday version are spiced with cranberry hibiscus flour and orange peel while spring's release is flavored with chamomile lemon peel and lavender nice yep sounds fun what other salt beers? What other uses of salt? In oh beer? well, one we've had recently, actually, uh, a brewer. I think it was Justin Rick at the Brooklyn Brewery with the Worshipful mm-hmm. Company of Brewers did a beer that was inspired by a chocolate covered pretzel. Ooh! So it was a dark beer. Mm-hmm. He added salt, and it was chocolatey and slightly salty, and absolutely delicious. And I think that might be the first beer I've ever dark beer that I've ever had with salt in it. But yeah, man, I can't it was one. spectacular. That fun. Yeah. yeah, I just love where brewers get inspiration from because mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the same thing i do too it's like i have this great food or i have this or i see this spice and it's like yeah gotta <laughs> do that gotta make that happen I, we all think the same don't we absolutely <laughs> everything is, is inspiration for that for sure yeah very cool we're gonna take a quick break yep. and we'll be back to talk more on salt and get into pepper thanks for listening for men about it on it Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Did you know that pollinators are needed for more than two-thirds of the world's crop species? Most of these pollinators are bees. However, North America's bee population has been steadily declining since the 1990s. Whether you live in the country or the city, you can show your commitment by hosting a hive in your backyard or even on a rooftop. The beekeeping movement is growing, so you're sure to find swarms of folks who can help you find your way. 
Learn more about the ways you can help be the solution at wholefoodsmarket.com slash share the buzz. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Welcome back to Fomin About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're here in the studio with Heather McReynolds from Six Point. Hello. And some guy named Duran, off, off, off mic. Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about salt and brewing with salt and pepper. Now, not brewing salt like for a traditional, some traditional styles, but just actually brewing with... But for flavor. Yeah. How come we don't have any salt and pepper background music here? Oh, that's right. We oh. should have salt and pepper. That should be, I think, uh, for next time. Copyright. Next time. BMI. <laughs> Ask Cap. The music we were listening to, by the way, was music from my friend Chris Berry. We went out on tour a while ago, uh, back in 2006. Uh, he actually has since moved to Hawaii, but has is spending time here in New York and has some shows coming up on the 21st and 22nd of February, um, which is also Craft Beer Week. So go hang out at the Pacific Standard, then go check out uh, the, what he's doing at BAM. He's got a big storytelling and uh, world music thing happening. But back to salt and pepper. Okay, so <laughs> so if you cook with salt and you go to any type of gourmet cooking shop or grocery store or spice store, you'll know that there are a lot of different kinds of salt out there. And it's kind of been a hip thing the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if people are buying all these specialty salts to cook with, it can make a difference in how your beer tastes. So that's something I haven't actually experimented with is, is different types. I think, you, yeah, I used sea salt when I made my gosa. Yeah. And then, of course, Chris used Pacific, sea. Pacific. <laughs> sea salt and Pacific it would be, salt water. It would be lots of fun, though. To uh, I agree. yeah, there's some uh, yeah some crazy salts out there like yeah. So I have a, a handy list actually. It's it's on the Whole Foods Market site, and um, some of this I know about like the colored salts. I use a lot of Himalayan pink salts for my alternative fermentations, like water kefir and those kind of things. Um, there's also this gorgeous black like lava salt that I f- have seen at Kalushians and have not used yet. What do, what does that do? I don't know. I think it's so. This is talking about sulfurous black salt from India. So it's got to have, I don't, you'd have to be very careful, I think, with the style, but definitely mm-hmm. go out, you know, if you get a salt variety pack or, ooh, I know Trader Joe's had a salt variety pack for the holidays that I was very tempted to buy and now I regret it. But <laughs> anyway, go out there and taste some different types of salt and think about the kind of beers that you could use them in. I think it'd be fun to make a, a gosa with the smoked sea salt. Oh, that's exactly what I was so going to talk about. So that you get about. close to, like, you get kind of a mix between mm-hmm. a lictainer and a... And a gosa kind of thing. Well, when you mentioned the black lava salt that had a lot of gypsum in it, my first thought was like something with an IPA, like a yeah. If you could, if you could balance it right, make a salty kind of IPA, or, mm-hmm. or, or maybe a goza paleo hybrid kind of thing. Yeah, I think that would, yeah. that sounds delicious. And then also they have they're talking about something roasted salt. So this is salt that's been heated over a fire, Ooh. usually in a container that transfers flavor and aroma to the finished product. It says try Korean bamboo salt which gets roasted over a pine resin fire in bamboo cylinders plugged at both ends with a yellow clay unique to the region. We love the stuff for sprinkling over roasted or grilled meats and vegetables. 
So I think that would be that would be delicious in kind of a like a Marzen style maybe, mm-hmm. or even a brown, a mm-hmm. mild, dark mild. Yeah, I wonder how you bring those flavors out without overpowering them. Yeah. yeah, I think you'd have to be tricky and definitely, mm-hmm. you know, maybe um, err on the you know lesser side in the kettle. Yeah, because I suspect you could always kind of dry hop with your salt too. Or do a solution and add it at kegging or bottling even. Hmm. Like a very mild solution because obviously salt goes a long way. Yeah. So that'd be something to try actually. I wonder if you could bot like you did a standard five-gallon batch and when you bottled, you bottled with, you know, because it would take very little volume of water to dissolve the salt in. Mm-hmm. Then you could experiment with multiple types of salts. Multiple quantities and multiple yeah. levels of salt. Mm-hmm. Be interesting. Oh, and then also, oh, Heather. Yeah, also. You had mentioned Old Bay. Oh, so back to Beer for Beasts, where we do these crazy, crazy style beers. Uh, one of our reps from the main area, I'm sorry, Maryland area, wanted to do an Old Bay beer. And I was tasked with writing that recipe. And I wrote the recipe and I said, okay, you know, the style of pale ale, yeah, you know, something mild in the background, bring out those Old Bay flavors. And I finished writing the recipe and I thought about it. I was like, I looked at the ingredients. Oh, wait, I think I even had to go online to look up the ingredients for Old Bay. For Old They're Bay's a little place. sneaky yeah. about that. <laughs> I've been asking them. I'm trying to figure that out, too. And, uh, yeah, it's like 75% salt. So I just said, well, shoot. That screws up my recipe. <laughs> uh, so fortunately, I hadn't brewed it with the amount that I originally considered, but I knew I had to cut it back a lot and definitely modify my water profile so that it, it you know, minimized that saltiness. And the beer still was pretty salty, uh, but I have a a very good friend who loves Old Bay, and she loves salt as well. And she might be listening right now. Uh, <laughs> she loved that beer. Yeah. So yeah, play around with Old Bay because it's 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 fun. But yeah, it definitely it, when you're buying packaged seasonings like that. Look up what's in there so you know what you're working with. Yeah, exactly. I had an old Bagosa at the National Homebrewers Conference this summer that I was like, oh my God, this might be disgusting. And it was delicious. <laughs> so I totally yeah, yeah want to make one of those. Yeah. So let's talk about pepper or more accurately, peppercorn. Mm-hmm. So I have some pepper, pe- spi- some pepper facts. Pepper facts. Well, it's the world's most popular spice. Is that true? Yeah. And it says black, white, and green peppercorns. Who did they survey? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> over time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, black, white, and green peppercorns come from the berries of the pepper plant. It's a vine that's native to India and Indonesia. And then p- pink peppercorns are actually the fruit of a completely different plant, the Bayes, Bayes rose plant, which is a small tree native to South America. Not and we ever. also have Szechuan peppercorns, which My come baby. from an entirely different plant. It's a type of prickly ash shrub native to northern China. Yep. Oh, man. And I've actually known... I've never um, brewed with Szechuan peppercorns, but I know other people that have. And when you eat them... So, I, I don't, if you eat Szechuan peppercorns, they numb your tongue. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Please tell me Very you've been pringy. to Mission Chinese. I've been to Chengdu, China. Oh, well, there <laughs> you go. That's probably a little there. bit more legit. <laughs> Back when they were, they were actually banned from the United States for a while until 2006. And I oh, forget wow, I didn't why. Know. Oh, I think it was because it might affect the uh, citrus crop. So I think even now when we get citrus oh. peppercorns, um, we're not growing it. They have to be treated before they come into the country, something like oh. that. So they're not I thought maybe they were banning them because it makes your mouth feel like mouth you just ate yeah. a 9-volt battery. That was the rumor <laughs> I heard at first was that, they, they, that it was linked to cancer treating stuff, but I don't. I think that was debunked. 
Huh. But Interesting. It, it had more to do with the our citrus crops. Interesting, though. Did not know those were not pepper, actually. Yeah. So really, white, black, and green are pepper. Yeah, and here's the weirder thing, which hmm. I didn't know until recently. It's actually the white peppercorn that's ripened fully. So it's ripened fully, then the skin is removed, and the berry is dried. Whereas the black peppercorn is picked before it's fully ripe, then dried until it shrivels, and the skin turns black or dark brown. And the greens are... Um, soft, underripe versions, obviously. So I never knew the white peppercorn was the the ripe, the actual ripe one. I did. So. I did know that. I had to. I, I made a. I found these white peppercorns at work that were gorgeous and still whole, and they smelled great. And I said, I'm going to make a beer with these. And so I looked up all that information, and yeah, I was interesting to learn that stuff. And they all have slightly different flavors. Obviously, black pepper is the strongest. Mm-hmm. The white, I think, is a little more mild. Green peppercorns actually have a very different, almost. Haven't worked with green, but yeah, I'd imagine, yeah, definitely different. Uh, for anybody curious about the green, check out the I forget which episode it is, but we interviewed the guy from Brewers Art uh, yep. for the green peppercorn triple, yeah, and which that's is d- awesome. Yeah, delicious beer, and they, it's a really cool process that they use. So, what have you guys brewed with? What, do, what peppercorn beers do you kind of think of? I know I've had peppercorn porters, hmm. and I made a peppercorn saison that I actually get that got that funkified. A um, couple years ago, that was good. Yeah, it was pretty good. That's I'm fine. looking. Oh, we I used so this is a I think this is a five gallon batch. I'm looking at my a scan of my old brewing book. We added two grams, which is approximately twenty three peppercorns, and there were mixed peppercorns that I got at one of the Indian grocery stores in Manhattan. So it was mixed black, white, pink, and green actually. Hmm. And I think I picked most, so it was kind of an even mix because usually when you buy theirs there's way more black ones in there but anyway so it's a little more even okay yeah i like i said i I found these white peppercorns at work and they were lovely and uh i made i kind of had this idea when i started crushing them that they'd look they'd be really good with a steak and so i i started thinking about like umami flavors Mm -hmm. and those savory flavors and wanting to kind of emulate that in a beer so i used um I used a lot of like super malty like uh, malts like uh, Maris Otter. I don't have the recipe in front of me, uh, but this uh, really rich brown malt uh, from can't remember who I got it from now. Uh, but yeah, I used those those peppercorns and it was um, it was really cool. It, it took it took two tries. I'm not sure why I did it twice. I did it twice though. I think we had a lot of time on our hands. Right after Hurricane Sandy. And uh, (laughs) did it twice. And yeah, it was interesting. I I did kind of get those umami flavors that I was kind of looking for. It was a little fun experiment. Did you like it overall? Yeah, it was was drinkable. It was one of those beers you have one pint of and then move on to something else. But uh, yeah, it was fun. But I really loved the peppercorns coming out. I, I, I had fun brewing with them. Yeah. You know, crushing them right before. I would totally recommend that, too, by the fresh. way. Yeah. Go ahead, buy yeah. whole peppercorns, and just crush them right before you use them. Yeah. Did you toast them at all just before no. doing it? No, no, no. Because no. already there's plenty in black peppercorns. Like yeah. That might have been a fun idea. I didn't think about toasting them, though. I've never tried it. Also, hmm. it depends on how, how much you crush them, too. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely going to affect how much flavor and aroma that you get in your beer mm-hmm. and then how much you need to use. Mm-hmm. Also, how fresh they are. I always say this about spices because... Yeah. Holy cow! There's a difference between yes. prices that you've had in your cabinet yeah. for a couple of years and and Definitely fresh ones. Check them. Yeah, yeah. I've done peppercorn teas and blended on the backside, like not putting in the last five minutes of the boil, but but throwing it in 
at oh. kegging time. So not an actual tea, the tea, tea no, by itself, no, no, no. but tea no, no. for not the beer. Yes. Tea for the beer. <laughs> tea for blending with the beer. And then my, I guess my most successful are, are that my favorite peppercorn beer used Szechuan peppercorns, and it's oh, a yeah. peppercorn saison. And I kind of went with kind of thinking about lemon pepper chicken, and so I have a lot of like lemon, uh, lemon peel, and Szechuan peppercorns. Yeah, I have everything but the chicken in a saison. Did you get the? Uh, did that tongue numbing weird sensation no, I had come a, through? I had it lighter on that. That yeah. it didn't come through in, oh, the, okay. in this beer. It was like and more I, of like kind of like an anise. Or, or, or okay. just had more of the other flavor, the, the bouquet. Definitely didn't mm-hmm. have the bouquet of the of the of the peppercorn. Cool. Yeah, it has a very. How do you describe Szechuan peppercorns? It's kind of. It's not the same kind of pepper idea of pepper. Yeah. Like it has the real not, floral. Yeah, it's not yeah, spicy. Yeah. It's real floral. It's aroma. not. It has yeah. a lot more depth to it. I think. Yeah. Depending. Well, way. maybe maybe spicy is different. The wrong kind of word. It's it's it it tingles it's your got tongue. Kick. It's got kick. It's <laughs> yeah. got kick. Yeah. I think yeah. pe- pink peppercorn I've had, a pink peppercorn pale ale, and I think I've oh. had a pink paper- peppercorn IPA. Okay. Yeah. I think those would be fun to, you know. Another another one of the Beer for Beast beers that we did, because that's really where we get to experiment. Uh, we did a collaboration with Tyler from Portsmouth Brewery in New Hampshire, and uh, this was his recipe, actually, uh, but a pink peppercorn saison uh, with ginger in it. And that turned out really nicely. Uh, that makes sense. Those yeah. flavors work together really, really well. Very complex. Very nice. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's really good at what he does too. If you guys are yeah. ever up in New Hampshire, check out his stuff, man. Yeah. I think one of the keys with pepper is like, like you were saying before, you, when you made the umami-ish kind of beer, it was one that you wouldn't have a second pint of necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I, one of my favorite quotes actually was from Beer Sessions Radio a couple of weeks back where my friend Chris Post from Wondering Star, he's like, you know, beer is a long-term relationship. It's not a one-night stand. And so you want you want those beers that you're going to have like four pints of and, and, and enjoy it all the way. And when you're brewing with pepper, that's a dangerous, there's a lot of danger there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just doing it judiciously. And if you're a home brewer, you have the advantage of, Doing that, making the teas and putting them on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, if so, that's a that's a good thing to toy with and do. I like having the aroma of black pepper, but not necessarily get having that tingle the entire way down. Mm-hmm. Um, having the having the beer in the mouth feature different things. And I think a good way to experiment if you're thinking about using peppercorns in your beer um, or even salt, and you want to kind of try the different types. Like you have a pale ale that you want to see, hey, how does this work with green peppercorn versus pink versus white? A great way to do that is take your finished homebrew. Um, you want to crush your peppercorns fresh, add them to a French press, then put your homebrew in there, allow it to steep for about two to three minutes, press it, and taste it. And that's a really good way to at least kind of really fill, visualize on their on your palate what that peppercorn is going to do to your beer. Mm-hmm. And dry that hopping. was actually an idea from Serious Eats. Dry hopping the peppercorns. Yeah seems like you would get a decent amount of the aroma without too much yeah. pungent uh, flavors or like any bitterness kind of like cold brew coffee right like mm-hmm. a cold yeah exactly but if you you know if you're a little bit nervous at first but you kind of want to see how those flavors pray then go ahead and do it with a finished beer even you know you can play with it with commercial beer just to get a, a better idea mm-hmm. yeah ferment about it on heritageradionetwork.org <laughs> so chris and i are um we are leaving for for hong kong vietnam and cambodia on sunday we will be out of the studio for two weeks uh we're research gonna, and development of course yes we are actually going to interview homebrewers and brewers in hong kong and then there is apparently is a homebrewing group in, in vietnam Ho Chi Minh city yep, so we're Ho Chi Minh trying to city. over there 
So um, we will have a pre-taped show for the next two weeks, but they're both very good. And we look forward to being back in two weeks. A huge thanks to Heather McReynolds from Six Point, Six Point. for Thank being you for on the show. Me. Yeah. Happy fermenting. Happy fermenting. Ferment about, about it. it. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.